You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB or go ahead to at Summit Hoops, two T's in honor of Pat, where you can get our 24-7 basketball coverage. You can also like us on Facebook or go ahead and download our app. And we are extremely honored to have one of the best players who Pat ever had the uh, ability to coach, uh, and that is Glory Johnson, now of the Dallas Wings. Glory, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Of course, anytime. <laughs> place I would love to start. I, I found it so interesting just recently that you picked up basketball in essence because your parents wanted you to try different sports and basketball happened to be the first one. And I wonder whether you think that that was ultimately the reason why or you think there's something specific to basketball that really calls to you because obviously it's become uh, you know so central to your life. For sure. My mom and dad got me into a bunch of different sports just to see which one I personally liked better. They weren't pushing me towards one side or another side, and basketball stuck with me uh, because I was able to play a team sport. I was able to, to be around my friends and play with my teammates, and it wasn't a whole bunch of pressure on one player. Right. It took your whole team in order to win a game, so, so I like that aspect. That's really interesting, especially because you look at both you know, what you were part of at Tennessee and also even right now the way uh, Dallas is constructed with nobody with a usage rate above 23 and everyone really taking big shots, yourself obviously included down the stretch. Do you think that that is where you are a best fit? I don't just mean basketball-wise, but emotionally because a lot of people would look to the fact that, you know, look down the stretch in these key games, you have been taking big shot after big shot. Is that more of an adjustment for you? Uh, it's a little bit of an adjustment. My thing is, I just provide whatever my team needs. If they need me to be more of a threat on the offensive end, then I do that. If they need me to be a defensive stopper, then I try to do that to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, they always have me rebounding. So I know that's something that I'm going to do, whether it's offensive night for me or a defensive night for me. I know i got to crash the board. So um, I just really try to do what my team, team needs me to do that day. And if they just need me to bring energy and communication, then I'll try to do that too. But um, that's pretty much what I'm here for, is to cater to my team and try to help us win. Take me through the skill set of a young Glory Johnson. When you're coming up through the ranks, you know, you move to Knoxville, <laughs> and you're experiencing basketball at a high level. You're starting to see what mm-hmm. what is possible for you. Is rebounding the first thing in your toolbox even then? You know, rebounding wasn't that for me. I was just very quick, and so... I was too quick at times, and I didn't realize that being too quick was a problem (laughs) because I ran track. So when you're playing basketball, it's not just one speed of the game. You know, there's change of speeds, you know, on offense, on defense, you know, even going up for layups. I was one of those players who just ran. Hmm. And when you run and you don't slow down on a layup at all, you know, it just goes boinging off the backboard. So I had to realize that that's something that I had to do was change my speed. And, you know, that was a big adjustment for me. I don't think I actually figured that out until maybe my junior or so, uh, senior year of college. So, That's interesting. And Pat was like, well, you got to slow down. you got to slow down. But, you know, she was always someone telling me that I just need to slow down and it'll, it'll work in my favor. So, you know, it took me a while to, to adjust because I've always been a player that tried to be so fast. And then Pat also reminded me 
about how important rebounding was and how it would help our team, and it helps it helps lead into the offense. So regardless, you are the one getting the ball and pushing it on, on offense so we can start an offensive set. So rebounding became just as important as scoring. So for you in that period of time where you feel like it, it clicked for you, did you have your eyes on the WNBA ahead of that? Did you did that start earlier, or was it when that clicked into place for you at Tennessee, where it felt like you moved from pure athlete to athlete and player in your own mind, that the future uh, opened up to you in that way? Yeah, I probably didn't focus on the WNBA until my senior year in college, and that was me trying to be a, a realist and understanding that there's a possibility that I won't get drafted and there are tons of players that don't get drafted. There's a lot of women in the league. There's not too many teams in the league. So um, just trying not to set my goals too high. Like there needs to be a second option if I don't get drafted. And so after my senior year, I was really, really focused on just getting drafted but also having the backup plan. Junior year, it was like, what's my backup plan? Because, you know, I'm young. I don't know too much about the WNBA, and there's a possibility I won't go. But my mindset changed my senior year. Well, so what was the backup plan? What do you think you'd be doing uh, right now if not for basketball? You know, if I wasn't playing basketball, um, I I would probably be trying to do some type of commentating. Uh, That was my goal. Uh, when I finished and graduated with um, with, uh, Global Studies in my undergraduate, I started focusing on commentating and video editing, and, and I got my master's. And I was interested in doing some type of broadcasting or some type of um, commentating, but then I kind of wanted to be hands-on a little bit too, so that's where the video editing and I was recording, and I, you know, I was uh, interviewing different athletes and stuff, and they were laughing because I was an athlete too, you know? Sure. But it was fun for me, and, and I wanted to be more hands-on. I even wanted to be behind the scenes, you know, doing the video editing, and that was interesting for me. So, so I, I tried a little bit of everything. So even now, I mean, obviously, with your career uh, excelling the way it has, it's not something that's in the near term, it would seem. But there are no shortage of WNBA players who make that transition. Was Is that part right. of the idea in your mind, simply because, look, the lifespan of a WNBA career, uh, even in the best-case scenario, you're talking about, you know, 15, 16, 17 years. Right. That That is always something that's been in the back of my mind. Another thing, my high school coach, uh, Shelly Sexton-Sawyer, who used to play for Pat, mm-hmm. uh, she's kind of got me into coaching a little bit. I work a lot of her camps and stuff, and she's kind of got me interested in, in sharing what I know and my knowledge of the game with other players. Uh, I'm not really sure what age I want to coach. I'm not really sure, you know, at what level, but... Um, no matter what I do, I want to try to find a way to give back to the game somehow. Whether you know it's, it's doing commentating or or broadcasting, whatever the case may be, I want to stay in the game, and I also want to be someone who can share my knowledge for the game with other people. So that's an interesting bridge into where the Dallas Wins are as of right now, and you are hardly an aged veteran or anything of the sort but by the by the uh definition of this team of course with five rookies and uh with kayla you know with limited experience as well obviously you bring a lot to bear both in terms of what you've already accomplished in the wnba and also just as someone who played under pat and uh who was influenced by pat the way you are take me through if you would your thought process 
coming into the season, what your expectations were for a team that was so young, and how you've gone about, if any way, uh, changing uh, your approach and uh, your ability to sort of nurture these players uh, who are new to the game. New to well, the league, I should at say. At the beginning of the season, like, yeah, coming into this team, uh, I'm, I came off two injuries from last season, so I was trying to think, you know, how can I play smarter? How can I make sure that I maintain good health through the season? Um, maybe not being as physical in some of the games, but playing smarter um, instead of with more contact. And, um, you know, before that, I was young. I, you know, I wasn't a veteran player. I was younger, so I could go for days, and I could hit people, and they could hit me, and I can take a hit, and, it, you know, it doesn't bother me at all. Now I'm a little bit older. I've had twins, you know, so my, my body's not bouncing back like it used to, but you know, if you play smart, you can avoid certain things and you can avoid, you know, a lot of injuries by playing a certain way. And so I try to introduce that a little bit into my game, shooting a little bit more outside shots. Yeah, I would say, is, is know, that where the three comes from? Up. Is, is, is the For three, sure. Is, is, is it's it, fine to maintain. <laughs> is, is it about banging? Is it about uh, putting yourself in a position to be even more efficient offensively than you already were? Is it a combination? Uh, you know, is it within it's, it's the scheme of Dallas? It's a little bit of Okay. Yeah, it's a little bit of both, and it's something that, uh, you know, I kind of try to do myself. It wasn't really something that some an idea that someone gave to me. I just kind of try to – I want to be able to do a little bit of both. So at times, you know, when other players are tired and stuff, you know, I feel like I could bang them a little bit and, and use my strength to my advantage. But certain points in the game where I'm a little bit more tired, I want to be able to develop my outside shot where I'm comfortable with it even when I am tired. So – you know, when other teams are tired, then I can attack them and be physical, and there's not much they can do about it. Do you think? But then when I get tired, I have to be smart about it and, and realize that I'm tired. So if I try to go up with someone that's not as tired, I've been playing, you know, more minutes, then when I go up, I'm not going to go up as powerful, and I might get my shot blocked. So it's, it's just mentally trying to think, what's the best thing for me right now at this point of the game? And, and whenever I do catch, you know, catch my, my second win, then I go back at them like I normally do. And so do you think between you extending further out and Teresa obviously is a stretch five, that that has opened right. up the lane, uh, you know, to, for you guys to have the kind of offensive success? I, I know nobody doubted the talent on this team, but there was so much youth right. that the idea of putting you guys together and being right in the thick of the playoff hunt right away uh, wasn't something mm -hmm. that was generally predicted. Right. I think it does help because it also allows Kareem and Christmas and Skyler Diggins to, to get in the lane. So, you know, I, especially with Teresa Playfont pulling out, you know, some of the post players, they can't even switch. They have to guard things differently. That's guard the pick and roll differently because you, they know they have the outside shooter and they know that I'm going to dive or catch and drive pretty quick. So, you know, we give a lot of people a lot of different looks, and that's kind of what makes us a little tough to guard. So for your game specifically, you know, there's been this remarkable consistency. You talked about before and after the injuries and, and switching things up. Whatever your approach has been, you're always among the lead leaders in terms of rebounding percentage. You always find your teammates. Uh, your steal percentages are always, you know, essentially more like a two or a three than, you know, the four and even sometimes the five that you play. What is it that right. you think allows your game to be so consistent you know, regardless of the approach that you're taking? I think that no matter what, if I'm struggling in a certain area 
or struggling at a certain time in the game, in my mind, you know, it's never over until that 40 minutes is up. So uh, if I'm not having a great offensive game, I know that I can get a couple of steals. I know that I can try to contest or block shots, and I know that I can rebound no matter what. So mentally, I just stay in, I just try to stay in the game no matter what. We might be losing by 15, 20 points. But at the end of the day, the game's not over, not until that 40 minutes is up. So that's, that's my mentality throughout whatever game, no matter if we're on the road, we're at home, we might be playing uh, L.A., Minnesota, San Antonio. It really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that at the end of the day, as long as the game is still going on, there's, you know, I have to keep on playing hard and keep on trying to bring a little bit of energy and do something. You know, you, you don't just play the game. You don't just run up and down the floor and you're just there. You know, you have to contribute something, something to the game to try to help your team out no matter what it is. So something that I think certainly is noticeable for me and and for a lot of people who value what you do is they see that intensity late. I I don't think it's an accident what you're talking about that that relates directly to the number of great plays that you make and have made down the stretch in key moments. And I, I just wonder what you see and what that experience is like in the final minutes. Do you think that you are able to focus, not just to bring that energy, like you said, but to focus late in games better than other players in this league? Uh, I think that it might be a little bit easier for me to focus only because mentally going from Pat Summit, I also went to Webb, which was a great private school, and I'm used to playing. Went to China and went to Turkey, so I'm used to playing when I'm tired. And with Pat, it was just like, never show anyone that you're tired. So I might be tired. When I, once I get in the locker room at halftime, you know, I can start breathing heavy. Once, you know, I put my hands on my knees. But uh, I try not to show that I'm tired at any point in time. So I could be playing for 35 minutes, and we have five more minutes of that last game. And I'm still going to try to sprint down the floor and beat people down the floor or, or run in transition and get wide-open layups because I know that I might be a little tired but whoever's guarding me is, is way more tired than I am. So I'm going to keep on running and not show that I, any any sense that I'm tired at all because that's a weakness. And so that that's really what another thing I learned from Pat. She, she, you do not show Pat Summit that you're tired. You don't breathe heavy. You don't put your hands on your knees. Right. Or she'll give you extra conditioning after practice. So, <laughs> so that's my mentality. I don't want any of my, you know, anyone playing against me to see any type of weakness, especially that I'm tired because, you know, the game's not over. <laughs> well, and so would you say, it sounds like you, you've certainly heard that from Pat, but it sounds like that predates Pat. It sounds as if, uh, I guess for lack of a better uh, way to put it, that a prototype Pat Summit player happened to be right there in Knoxville. Do you ever think about the way in which that all came together for you in precisely the right way and to have it happen just in time if you had been a few years later you wouldn't have had the opportunity to play under Pat Summit? Right. Right. I mean, I think that's amazing. I think God placed me in that in that position at the University of Tennessee mm-hmm. while Pat was still coaching for a reason. Um, I experienced all types of different things. We went through a lot of learning experiences and, and the fact that I was able to have Pat before she was sick and I was able to have Pat while she was sick mm-hmm. and you know we were able to leave the university at the same time. I didn't get her that championship but I felt every ounce of love from Pat from beginning to end and you know it's it's a whole nother opportunity it's really hard to explain unless you experience it she you know she pushed you to your limits till she couldn't push you anymore and as bad as it as bad as it sounds and as tired as we were you know as as much as we were trying wanting to give up 
at all points of the entire four years. We stayed in it, we fought through it, and we loved her so much afterwards. So, you know, you, know, you can't really say that much when you're, when you're tired and, you know, you're barely breathing and, you know, you, you don't want to look at her at times because how tired and mad you are that you have to run this much before and after practice. And somehow you absolutely love this woman after all of it, after all we've been through. You know, there's no hate at all. And, you know, it's so funny because we always think about the hell that we went through, but it was all worth it at the end. It was so worth it. It's almost like you guys are part of a club when I talk to you or Tamika Catchings or Carol Lawson about it. It's not right. just that you've been through something, but it seems like it's it's where it came from when it was Pat Summit right. who was the one doing it. It's uh, uh, right. a glorious thing to hear. Uh, last thing on, this, on the stat side of things, I just want to return to the three-pointers briefly because, you know, you added it first to your game a little bit last year, and you, you took 14 uh, attempts, and you played 502 minutes last year total, obviously, uh, mm -hmm. you know, season curtailed because of injury. You've doubled that so far this right. year. You're 28 three-point attempts in 530 minutes, and I'm wondering what the end game is in your mind what where you want that three-point shot to be do you have a, a statistical marker in your mind or is there some other way you measure uh how to get to the destination you want to be for that i mean i don't shoot too many threes unless i feel like you know i'm i'm really really tired i you know i can't really get banged and know that i can focus and make it through contact or if a player just keeps on playing off of me and, you know, you know, they got to respect you at some point in time. And even if I have to be confident, confident enough to know that even if I miss one, mm -hmm. if they keep playing off of me, I'm going to keep shooting until they realize they can't keep playing off of me. So and it's, it's, I want to get to that point. It seems like that's helping you not just from three, but even the mid range because uh, from two, this right. is the most efficient year of your career so far. And it seems like you're getting a lot of those without necessarily having to get to the rim for that quote unquote highest leverage shot. Right. The goal is to go straight up and down, not fade away. Don't try to avoid contact when I'm going in. Just go straight up and down. They're trying to get me not to, to turn and do too many fadeaways anymore because you know, I'm okay going up with contact, even if they're bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And they block my shot. If I go straight up and down, I can get that rebound back and keep on going into them. Like, I'm going to be consistent and persistent as possible. So that's kind of the goal here. And that, I think that keeps my two-point percentage a little bit higher. But Eventually, I would like, you know, a 30%, 40% from, from the three-point line because I don't shoot them that often, but I want to have the confidence to when I do shoot it, it's no question. Like, it's no question right. in my mind it's going in. It might not go in, but in my mind it's going in, and the next one I shoot is going to go in, too. <laughs> Very interesting. Well, well it's, it's been fascinating to watch that development. When you think of the team development and where you guys are this year, what do you think qualifies as a successful season? And has that changed? Have you revised sort of the way you're thinking about that upward as you've seen the way in which, you know, your collection of rookies have integrated into what you're doing and, you know, what Skyler brings as well? Yeah, our rookies are, are amazing. Uh, you know, they're, they're rookie players, but they have that confidence. They know what they're capable of. They know what they need to bring to the team. They know what they can give to the team, and they try to do it to the best of their ability. Um, I think, you know, we have we have great rookies, and you, know, you couldn't ask for anything else. You know, they listen. They trust us. They trust that we've been through it. They, You know, they, they want to get better, and they want to help us win games, whatever it takes, on the sideline, 
communicating, bringing energy, you know, for me, calming me down when, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I'm not having a great game or, you know, it's really, really physical and I'm not getting too many foul calls. You know, they do a little bit of everything great on the court, knocking down big shots and big threes and, you know, getting hit and getting back up, you know, with confidence. So uh, it's a lot and, it, and it's good for us because we see young players doing that and it motivates us older players as well. You know, we're like, okay, well, I trust my rookies. You know, I trust that they're here for the right reason. They're, they're willing to fight to the end to get these wins. And if we don't win, they don't understand that and they're ready to bounce back, go back to work, and, and fight against the next team. So I think that's a big deal for us. And I, I we appreciate it. I, I, do, I do have to take issue, and, and perhaps it's from my perspective, but as someone who is just 26 years old, you know, turning 27 in July, I don't think you can quite call yourself, you know, the, an aged veteran <laughs> just yet. But I will say that, and, 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 and this blows my mind, that you are the mother of young twins. Now, I have two children. Right. They're not twins. I don't play in the WNBA, and I'm tired. <laughs> so I, I guess I wonder, what, if anything, have you figured out? Uh, what is the secret to life? How have you managed to do this, that you're going out and having an elite season playing basketball uh, you know year round here and overseas as well and at the same time being able to raise uh, two children you know I was lucky enough to not only be the baby uh, in, with five children in my family but I'm the only one with with children mm -hmm. so my brothers my brother and my three sisters don't have any children so I kind of incorporate my family into it they watch sure. the babies when I'm not here, when I travel, during the games. They bring them to the games. They help me get them ready and, and all that stuff. So um, they have been my backbone through the whole thing. They traveled out here and brought the babies to Dallas. And, you know, they stay with the babies at night. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. babies don't go to sleep till later. And we have early morning practice. And, mm -hmm. you know, they have, been, they have been the best support anyone can ask for. And, then and if I didn't have it, I don't know how I would be able to do it. And then what is it like emotionally? What, when your game ends, how soon are you thinking about the twins? And how much does having those children sort of change the way you process the experience of playing in a basketball game? Oh, that's the best part because they're able to watch me play. Now, Soli, on the other hand, she, she's probably watching her YouTube videos a little bit more, <laughs> YouTube kid videos more than she's watching the game. But it's amazing because they kind of, they kind of know they know who I am that that they know like the point on the court at my jersey and you know they see me on a flyer and they can say mommy you know so before when they were young you know I wasn't there but now I really appreciate the fact that they're here and they're able to watch me play and that is the first thing I think so after media and after you know we're able to shower and stuff the first thing I'm going is, is where's the baby so I can grab the babies and then we go out to eat together and you know, they, they're always wide awake and excited when they see me, so I get to put them on the court sometimes and, you know, see what they do with the basketball, like a real-size basketball, because awesome. <laughs> they try to see on on, on the TV, and, they, you know, they start moving their feet and running really fast, and we say, go play basketball, and they start chopping their feet. It's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> but I appreciate it. I appreciate that they're here. They're experiencing it with me. They're learning the game of basketball before, you know, before I ever got the chance to. Ah, uh, wow. That was such a leg up for them. And, well, 
listen, Glory Johnson, we are not going to keep you from your babies any longer. We appreciate the time. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, a, a reminder to our listeners that you can follow us on Twitter, LockedOnWBB, like us on Facebook, or go ahead and download the Summit Hoops app to be able to follow women's basketball 24-7, 365. I am Howard Meddahl wishing you a wonderful day.